The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. When they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let him down, let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they had questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise. Pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. As we've been walking through the Gospel of Mark here in the beginning stages of Jesus' ministry, we've been following a thread. And it is the thread of Jesus' authority and the growing revelation of his authority to those who are around him. We saw Jesus there in Capernaum in the synagogue teaching. And as he taught, one thing became clear. This man teaches differently. He teaches as one with authority. Because he is one with authority. He is is the authoritative word of God. This authority began to be revealed as he left the synagogue, entered into Simon Peter's home. There found his mother-in-law ill with a fever, rebukes the fever, lifts up his mother-in-law, and she is now well. What we saw in that moment is that Jesus has the authority over the effects of sin. The effects of sin is, one of the effects is sickness. And Jesus has authority over sickness. He has the effects of, over sin. We then saw Jesus' interaction with a man with leprosy. We saw last week as Leprosy is, became synonymous and analogous to sin. And we saw as Jesus exercises his authority, not just over the effects of sin, but over sin itself. As he's able to reach out and to touch this man, and in touching this man, makes him clean. And in touching this man, Jesus does not become unclean. 
And you see in that moment, Jesus' authority over sin itself. And then this morning, as we get to Mark chapter 2, we come face to face with the primary issue of Jesus' authority. Not just Jesus' authority as the teacher, not just Jesus' authority over the effects of sin, not just Jesus' authority over sin itself, but Jesus' authority to forgive sins. Now we left off in Jesus' ministry. He's healed a leper, and the news of him has began to spread. begun to spread like wildfire. And as attention to Jesus grows, the crowd grows. And as the crowd grows, for the first time recorded here, opposition grows. And so now, beginning now in Jesus' ministry, we will see this opposition to Jesus grow. And it's going to be present in the next five stories that Mark shares with us. This growing opposition against Jesus will center around the claims that he makes in this story today. And his claims here will be ultimately what the scribes and the Pharisees will use to crucify him. And it is Jesus' claim to have the authority to forgive sin. And by making that claim, he is by extension claiming to be God himself. This is Jesus' claim. And this is where his opposition centers. This is what we see today in Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And he, when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. We don't know exactly where this was. We're not completely sure whether or not Jesus had a residence there in Capernaum. The scriptures say that he had no home. He had nowhere to lay his head. It seems and most agree that this home of Jesus in Capernaum was Simon Peter's home, the place of the the healing of Simon's mother-in-law that served as the headquarters of Jesus during his uh, Galilean ministry and also as the first church. And so he is there, and it's reported that he is there. In verse 2, Mark tells us that many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. He was preaching the word to them. This ministry of preaching and teaching, we have to remember, is Jesus' primary ministry. This is his primary focus in the work of his earthly ministry. His, his healings get the majority of the attention. But his primary ministry was a ministry of the word. And that's what he's, he's doing here. And we cannot forget this. And we have to see and we have to understand that all of these stories of healings are there to support his primary ministry, which is the ministry of the proclamation of the word of God, that the kingdom of God has come. How will they believe unless they hear? And Jesus is there 
to preach. And that's what he's doing. He's preaching here in Peter's home. And Mark tells us that the place was full. That the, the house was full. That it, it came out through the door of the house and spread into the courtyard in front of the house. Luke gives us a, a clearer picture of those who were gathered there that day in Luke chapter 5. Verse 17, on one of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village in Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. That there had now come, news had spread, not just in Capernaum, not just in the Galilean region, but into Judea and down to Jerusalem that there's, there's something going on with this man up here in Capernaum. And so scribes and Pharisees had come, people had come from great distances to come and to hear him. And there is a great crowd gathered together. And these people were driven there certainly by different reasons. Some were driven there out of curiosity. They had heard that something was going on and they were curious to find out more. Some were driven there because of investigation. This is the scribes and the Pharisees who are investigating this man to see what it is he's saying and what he is he's doing. But primarily, there are people driven there who have come there and it is a crowd filled with people who have a felt need. They have a need in their life and they have heard that Jesus seems to be one who can meet that need. And so they've come there to have their needs met by Jesus. It seems here in this crowd, as in other times of great crowds recorded in the Gospels, that there was a shallow enthusiasm and that there is a little bit of interest in this Jesus character but mostly it's just because of what he might could do for them and what strikes me about that is that this is for the most part the state of American Christianity that there is an interest in Jesus because he can meet some needs that you might have. And it's important to remember that a crowd does not equal success. And it's more important to remember that just because you're in the crowd, that does not equal saving faith. See, there's a distinction drawn here between the crowd of people who are there listening out of curiosity, out of investigation, out of a desire to have a felt need met, out of a desire that this might add something to their life or provide something that they're missing or whatever the case may be. There's a difference between the crowd and these men who come and the paralytic on the bed. And the difference is faith and evident faith shown in action verse 3 and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men 
And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith. See, these guys are different. These guys stand out from the rest of the crowd. And what marks them as different is their evident faith. Jesus saw their faith. And what is it that led him to see their faith? It it is that they literally unroofed the roof. In our homes, we have gabled pitched roofs. In Jesus' day, it's a flat thatched roof. And these men, as they get there, see this crowd that's filling the room, coming through the door, filling the courtyard, and being unable to get this man to Jesus, they begin to tear a hole in the roof so that they can let this man down into the presence of Jesus. And Mark tells us that in this moment, Jesus sees their faith. Now, whose faith is it that Jesus sees? Because I've heard messages that say it was the faith of the man who carried the paralytic there that Jesus saw. And it was their faith that got him there that led to his ultimate forgiveness and healing. But there really is no indication of that in the text. And there certainly is no indication of that in the the whole of Scripture that someone else's faith is enough to save you. That is not the case. The faith that Jesus saw was both the faith of the paralytic and the faith of those who had brought him there. That they all have faith. And their faith was illustrated in what they were willing to do. It's the difference in a man or a woman making the claim that this person is the greatest archer that's ever lived. And he shoots a bow and arrow better than anybody who's ever come before him, better than Robin Hood. There has never been, nor will there ever be, anyone who could shoot an arrow like this man can. Now that's a a statement of faith, right? But the real faith is in the guy who says, put the apple on my head and I'll let him shoot it off. Because faith is made visible. Faith is made evident. Faith comes to realization through what we are willing to do, through our actions. These men had determination. They had a faith that resulted in works, in a willingness to do whatever it took to get to Jesus. This is what James teaches in James chapter 2. This is what we read together today as our Corporate reading, that real faith, real saving faith, always results in works. I'll remind you, James 2, verses 17 and 18. So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But some will say, you have faith and I have works. 
Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. James's point here is the only way to see faith, the only way to see actual saving faith is by the works it produces. And so Jesus, it says, sees their faith. Now, it is worth reminding ourselves of the fact that Jesus sees differently than every other person. Because everybody there could see these men and they could see this paralytic and they would have seen the roof being, being torn off above them and things falling and wondering what in the world is going on. And they would have seen them, you know, one drop down in and the other begin to hand them down to them and lay them at the feet of Jesus. They would have seen these things that these people were doing. But Jesus sees differently. Jesus doesn't just see your actions. Jesus sees the intentions of your heart. And that's made especially clear in this text. So when it says Jesus sees their faith... It's not that Jesus only sees their actions, but Jesus sees their heart, the inclination of their hearts, and their actions. More on that in just a second. And so, in seeing these men, and seeing their hearts, and seeing their actions, and seeing their faith, Jesus says to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now talk about an unexpected statement. After all, why is this crowd gathered? Why has his fame spread? The crowd is there and his fame has spread because he can heal. And they certainly would have expected Jesus to say, Son, you are healed. But that is not what Jesus says. Instead, Jesus in this moment met this man's greatest need. Because though he was unable to walk, his greatest need was not physical healing. His greatest need was the forgiveness of his sins. Now, it's also important to note that not every healing is the forgiveness of sins. Jesus does heal and does not forgive sins. And Jesus forgives sins and he does not heal. He just happens to do both in this um, story for a reason. And Jesus meets this man's greatest need, the forgiveness of his sins. And so Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. And the crowd gathered around him is shocked. They are stunned. And they begin to ask themselves, can this man do that? Can he do that? Can he say that? 
Verse 6. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? You see the scribes were the trusted professors of God's law. They knew God's word. They knew the Old Testament. And they were right. They were right in saying that no one can forgive sins but God alone. That's a right statement. But they were wrong about who Jesus is. Man, I hope this is a reminder to you and a reminder to me that we can know a whole lot about God's word. And we can be full of knowledge and we can be full of understanding. But if you don't rightly know who Jesus is, you miss everything. And they missed everything. They missed everything. They knew the word of God. They just didn't know that he had become flesh before their eyes. And they've missed everything. They've missed everything. And they knew what Jesus was saying. They knew what Jesus was claiming. And their issue was, does this man have the authority to do this? Can he really do that? Because only God can do that. And he's not God. And so here he's blaspheming. And he deserves death. And so, verse 8, immediately Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? I'll hold up a minute. This is the first time it's happened. Here in this moment, Jesus reveals something about himself. He reveals something about his authority. He reveals something about his ability. He reveals something about his divinity. He is able to see into the hearts of men and women. He can see past the exterior and he sees straight to the interior and he knows your thoughts. He knows your inclinations. You can hide it from everybody else. You can fool it by saying all the right things. But Jesus sees the hearts of men. This is Revelation chapter 2 in verse 23. That all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. Do you see the play here between the mind and the heart? The faith in the mind and the heart. And then the works that we do and how Jesus rewards. This is Mark chapter 2. He sees their faith that's in their hearts and their works that their faith has led to. And he forgives this man's sin. Because Jesus can see your heart. And he can see the hearts of the scribes. And he knows what they're thinking. This is John 2, 25. That Jesus needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Jesus can see. 
into your heart. And so Jesus asks them a tricky question. And he says, which is easier to say? Which is easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? Now notice what Jesus says here. He doesn't say, hey, which one of these things is easier to do? What he says is, which one of these things is easier to say? Because they're both easy to say, right? Any of us can say that. Any of us can. I can say it. I said it. I read it. You can say it. Anybody can say it. But saying it doesn't do anything. It is the authority to make it happen that matters most. And Jesus has the authority. Which is harder to speak and to heal this man or to forgive his sins? And the answer is that they are both impossible unless you're God. That's the point. Both of these things are impossible to do unless you are God. It is impossible to forgive sins unless you are God and have his authority. And it is impossible to speak and to heal a paralytic unless you are God and you have his authority. It's impossible. Now you can work that out to its logical conclusion. And I mean what I say. All the faith healers are phonies. And they're fakes. Because it's impossible. Unless you're God. That's Jesus' point here. His point is that he has the authority to forgive this man's sin. And so Jesus backs up what he says by doing only what God can do. Verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorifying God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Jesus sees into the hearts of these scribes. He sees the questions that they're asking, and he answers those questions by displaying his authority, by healing this man with just his spoken word. And he says, I'm going to do it so that you can know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. When I said, son, your sins are forgiven, you couldn't see the mountain of sin roll off his soul. You couldn't see it. I could, and he knew it, but you didn't because you couldn't see it. So let me do something that you can see so that you can believe in the unseen. And he heals this man with the spoken word so that they can know that the son of man has authority 
on earth to forgive sins. Now, there is a lot of things in this story that we can learn, right? There's a lot of things. We can learn that just because you're in the crowd doesn't mean you're saved. Doesn't mean you have faith. We can learn that faith always results in work. We can learn our greatest need is forgiveness of our sins. We can learn a lot of things from this story. But there is one main point. And that point is Jesus as the son of man has the authority to forgive sins. That's the point. That's the main point. And Jesus, for the first time in the gospel of Mark, uses this title for himself, the son of man, which is his favorite title to use. He uses it 80 times in the gospels, 14 times in the gospel of Mark. It's his favorite way to refer to himself. And it is a statement of his humble humanity. And it is also a statement with clear, it's a title with clear messianic implications. It comes from the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. This was our scripture, our corporate scripture reading a few weeks ago. And this is the vision that Daniel has. I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Now the scribes would have known this verse. They would have known this and they would have known exactly what Jesus meant when he said, so that you can know the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on earth, I say to you, rise, take your bed, and go home. They would have known what Jesus was saying because what he's saying is, I am the Son of Man. I am the promised one. I am the one that will come before the ancient of days. I am the one that is given everlasting dominion. That's authority. I am the one that has never-ending eternal authority. I am the one that is bringing the kingdom of God. I am the one who is the king of the kingdom of God. The one that you've been waiting for is here and he's me. I am the son of man. They would have known exactly what Jesus was saying. And they saw right before their eyes his authority displayed visibly as he forgave this man his sins. And he told him, now rise walk and go home. 
For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. Jesus is the only one who has the authority to forgive sins. And the realization that we have from this text is that Jesus sees your heart. And that is terrifying. That's terrifying. That should terrify you. It should terrify you. Because I got a feeling that you're just like me. Because every single person who has ever lived is in the same exact state. We are rebels to God. We are in rebellion and we have sinned. We have chosen to follow after our own selfish desires. We have chased after the passions of our eyes and the passions of our flesh. And every single one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And every single one of us are dead in our trespasses and sins and every single one of us rightly deserve the judgment of the son of man every one of us and you can fool everybody around you by saying the right things by going to the right places but you can not fool Jesus Christ he sees your heart and the reality is it is not a pretty picture Not without him, it's not. And that should absolutely terrify you. Unless he is able and he is willing to forgive your sins. And he is. He is. He has all authority as the Son of Man to forgive sins. He is able. And by God's grace, He is willing. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel. The Son of Man has come, and He has the authority to forgive sins. And you don't get it by performance. You can fool a lot of people by your performance. You can't fool him. You can fool earthly judges. You cannot fool our heavenly judge. You get it by faith. Jesus saw their faith. By faith that moves to action. By faith that moves to desperation. By a faith that moves you to do whatever it takes to say, I don't care what anybody thinks. 
I don't care what anybody has to say. I have a great need. And it's not physical. It's spiritual. I need forgiveness of my sins. And what we see in this story is if you come to Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, if you come in faith, he forgives sins. He forgives sins. And he alone has the authority to do it. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.